the rise and fall of an empire. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Mike Kermode here with Darren Prasad, and welcome to another episode of Canucks Mafia. Hey, everybody. It's Darren here from Canucks Mafia. I know it's been a minute since we've been recording, but welcome to the show. It's episode 51 here. Canucks Mafia, part of the Area 51 Sports Network. We've got a super special guest here today. It's the founder, the founder of the Area 51 Sports Network. It's Sean Warren. Sean, how's it going, my man? It's going good, man. I appreciate the warm welcome. This is, uh, to be referred to as a special guest feels feels good. <laughs> you are, you are, you are, man. You're, <laughs> you're a special guest. We appreciate you taking time out of your weekend here to, to record and, uh, a shout out to to uh, my main man Mike Kermode, my my co-host, my usual co-host. He's out out uh, traveling out in Southeast Asia. He's gallivanting around. I have no idea where he is <laughs> at this moment, but I hope he's having a great time. I think there he was dealing with some some uh, monsoons out in Bali or something Ooh. something like that. But I hope he's he's probably I don't even know what time it is there, but he's probably kicked back with a with with a drink somewhere on a beach or something. That guy. I hope so, especially after seeing that pick of the spider in the lamp. Like that's <laughs> that thing was a freak. I don't, that, I don't know. I would have been out of there. Yeah, I <laughs> I was I was like, you know what? It's time to change hotel rooms. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I I don't even. I I agree with you, man. There's no chance that. Like, how would you sleep after that? I don't know. Not in Bali. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And like, if, if, I would have left the country after that. Yeah, but, and, and there's probably people out there. It. Yeah, who who if you don't know what we're talking about, Mike Mike's traveling, as I mentioned. And if if you check out his his Twitter Twitter account, uh, you'll see a picture of a of a not so friendly guest visitor that he had in his uh, his lamp in his hotel room. So check it out. If uh, hope you're not squeamish. If if you do, but but uh, Sean, uh, I mean. You know, Canucks Mafia. We've we've been off uh, here for a little bit, trying to find um, you know with Mike away and, and all that. But no no shortage of things to talk about with the Canucks here. And you know they're in Vegas tonight. And I think that you know I I check the standings. What does everybody say? Everybody says that you know <laughs> where you're at after U.S. Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's kind of where where you'll be around, right? Obviously, there's some exceptions. Teams go on a run or teams fall apart. But the general feeling is like you are what you are at us thanksgiving right so i wanted to talk to you a little bit about and get your thoughts on you know where does this organization really go from here because it it's clear that there's a there's a decision to be made right there's a direction to choose and you know i think fans are really waiting for any hint of what that direction may be and and i just wanted your thoughts on sort of where they are now and 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 you know what directions you think that they have in front of them here yeah it's been a pretty interesting start of the season right like it hasn't gone well um obviously there are a few points out of a playoff position they're not at rock bottom anymore though uh so you know i think the most refreshing part for me is no longer seeing such a big split of people saying go for the playoffs and people saying bottom out 
everybody knows this doesn't work. It's been proven. Um, we've seen it fall apart with a really good coach uh, that has been proven in the league, not somebody that's, you know, I think Travis Green is a good coach, but he didn't have the, he doesn't have the track record before coming here that Bruce Boudreaux does, right? Like you can't be like, this is on Bruce and then look at, you know, his past history as a coach and say, yeah, he's just not a coach. He's very clearly a very good, very good coach, right? Um, and he can't make sense of this group because it's just a complete mess, right? Like there's there's no rhyme or reason to how this team has been built. It's been built with a lot of the wrong decisions made time and time again. Every time that there's a major uh, kind of a crossroads, the wrong path is chosen. And that's happened for better part of a decade, about eight years now. Every time that there's a major decision, the wrong one has happened. And we, where we are at now is just this horrific culmination of a hundred paper cuts. And yeah. in a vacuum, you're like one paper cut, you know, you win some, you lose some. In the moment, in a vacuum again, you could have been like, yeah, that, that would have been a smart thing to do, or I can make it passable. I can explain it. But in concert with each other, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like even going back to like re-signing Tanner Pearson instead of trading him at the deadline, uh, re-signing uh, JT or extending JT Miller this off season. Like there, there's clear points where like they have no choice now, but to make the right decision. And they would still find a way to make the wrong one. Um, the OEL trade, uh, things like that, where, it seems like even just doing nothing is better than doing what they did. And after eight years of that, now we have a team that doesn't make any sense, uh, isn't good really at all, but based off a few Herculean efforts, like Bo Horvat's uh, tied for the league lead in goals uh, with 16 so far. That's I didn't have that on my bingo card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Patterson's turned into an absolute monster, which I did expect, which is great. Um, I don't, I didn't expect him to be such a two-way beast right now, but he's like, he's very clearly the franchise. Um, Hughes has come out with a slow start, but he's starting to pick it up. Demko obviously has been struggling, but goaltending hasn't been the major issue here. It's based off of those, the Canucks are right where they're supposed to be. Just outside the playoffs, but on the bottom. So that mushy middle that we've been stuck in forever is again where we find ourselves, where we're not bad enough to get a premium asset in the draft. And we're not good enough to actually make it worthwhile not being in those kind of sweepstakes because we don't even see any playoff games, right? Like we, we don't, we're not going to. There's no way this is a playoff team. So it's, yeah, at American Thanksgiving, here we are. And this is exactly where I, if, I mean, pending no changes, this is where I see this team being at the end of the year on yeah. the bubble again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, you know, that's where a lot of people had this, this group, you know, kind of, you know, even before the season started. And I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the frustrating things in sports, right. That, you know, 
anytime anytime a team is struggling, right? Who who kind of takes the what what's the easiest lever to pull, right? It's always yeah. the coach. But I fully agree with you. Like this is not on, you know, Boudreaux. Like he just I, I think for me, you know, I, I'm just not seeing the give a shit meter high enough. Um you know, for the Canucks in their own end. I think that's been a major problem. I mean, the other issue is obviously, I just think personnel-wise, they're completely just, in terms of being, yeah, Yeah. like in terms of being able to like just move the puck up the ice and just get it out of their own zone, make a tape-to-tape pass, you know, know, from a defenseman to a forward. They're just like really, really fundamental things that are lacking, you know, in this group. And I think that, you know that none of that's on you know on the coaching staff i mean i mean i think that's that's really clear and i think the concern that i have you know which i think a lot of canucks fans have as well is like you know you bring in a coach let's say you let bruce go tomorrow you bring in a new coach then they get that you know not all the time but they get that usual new coach bump again that they ironically had under bruce Um, and, and you end up finishing four points or two points out of a playoff spot. And and here we go. We're back in the mushy middle, like you said. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think, I, I think that, you know, anyone kind of pointing fingers at Bruce right now, I mean, and, and, and goaltending as well. Like I, you know, I, I think anyone can see that Thatcher Demko just isn't who he, he usually is. And I think that, um, I, but I also think on the flip side of that coin, you know, I think most most fans are waiting for him to kind of be that guy again, yeah. um, right? And he and will. Think, There's no yeah. goalie controversy here, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Let's put the, that to bed. Yeah, <laughs> the whole like, uh, oh, Spencer Martin's playing really good. He should be the starter. Yeah. No, no, yeah. he should not. That's insane. Um, yeah, Thatcher Demko will be Thatcher Demko. He goalies. This happens, right? Like, this happens. This happens. Yeah, it, it, and it's not even like he's been bad. It's just that, like, like. How many times this season have we seen just a brutal right across the crease, like lateral pass for a one-timer goal, and you got nobody, nobody intercepting that pass, nobody blocking lanes. Yeah. Hell, yeah, half the time we got a defenseman play. in our own crease. Like yeah. and and like what are we what is Demko supposed to do there? Like he's supposed to I don't know. Like yeah, he'll yeah. eventually get to the point where he is stealing games. He will. But like, it hasn't happened yet. Obviously, yeah. Right? And the guys I, had two wins so far. It, exactly, so. and and I think going going back to you know what what we were just talking about around like you know the the give a shit meter not being high enough, right? In yeah. in their own end with from from key guys, and we'll talk about you know JT Miller <laughs> takes a lot of that blame. But I mean, like how, you know, like you watch just like like that giveaway. I, I believe it was in Ottawa. Uh, where he just like literally threw it up the middle. It was in Ottawa or Montreal? I believe it was in Ottawa, but like he just threw oh, it up. Stillman. The... Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's just like, like he just, you know, Miller just standing there and just doesn't even like wait or like the most you get is like a stick wave, like a, like yeah. a, you know, like a one handed stick wave. And then that's, and that, that's happening just so often when the Canucks give the puck away. Like you'd think that, you know, in, in as a National Hockey League player, on a team that you know, in every post game interview, it's you know we got to turn this around. You know we got to you know saying all the right things. You think when you're in that situation, if you give the puck away in the slot, and you, oh, you know in your own desperation zone, desperation mode. Yeah, you think it's yeah. desperation mode, but like you don't see any of that with this group. It just doesn't happen, right? And like you know that. So one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, and I because I've been thinking about this a lot, is just like you know, is is this clearly the mix is is wrong? 
right? Like clearly the mix of guys here, right? Yeah. Like I, I think that, you know, when you look at talent, when you look at skill, I think up front, I actually don't mind most of their skill up front, like in terms no, of talent. Right. Like, I, I mean, like, look at some of the some of the point totals and goal totals, uh, you know, that you pointed out there. But, you know, is, is the mix just something that doesn't get talked about enough? Like, hey, you can have the right amount of talent or, or close to the right amount of talent. But if it's not the right mix of the not not the right complementary pieces, you know, is, is that a problem here? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's funny um because as you're saying that i'm recalling the first time i was ever on this show uh mm -hmm. and this was <clears throat> before oel's first season in vancouver and we were talking about what we were to expect going into that and we had talked about that you could have the forward group be as good as you want but if your defenseman cannot get them the puck it is useless right if they can't make a stop and they can't transition the puck up I mean, you could have, I was going to say like 12 Pedersons, but that's a bad example because Pedersen is doing it all by himself. Right, right. <laughs> but if you have like 12 Horvats, right, it doesn't matter because you can't get them the puck, right? Like you've got OEL, Myers, you've got a bunch of third pairing defensemen and then Hughes, right? And then that's it. Like it's Hughes and a bunch of five, six, seven defensemen. And they can't transition the puck up if it's if his name's not Hughes. They can't play any sort of they have any sort of urgency. There was a there was a clip of uh, OEL trying to get out of the way of a shot block where he's like he's flinched all up and he's like spinning to try to get out of the way. Right. What are you doing? Like <laughs> you're in the <laughs> lane. Block the shot. Uh, the amount of times that, like you had mentioned, JT Miller is just not even like engaged in the play. He's standing upright, swinging his stick like he's like you know those table hockey players. That's right, JT right. Miller, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> like completely out of the play, not guarding anything. There's lanes all around him for passing, and what happens? Pucks three inches out of his reach, and goal happens. Right, like. If he's even mildly engaged, maybe he's some kind of help. Um, that that signing's been egregiously bad in hindsight. But I mean, even in foresight, <laughs> even in foresight, yeah, <laughs> like, it's not even hindsight. Um, yeah, you know, it it is the mix is bad, and what it is <laughs> is the Canucks have allocated a lot of money in the wrong places. They've allotted a ton of money in OEL um, Myers. They've I mean, they're almost through that one, but allotted a lot of money there. Um, they've got a lot of third pair defensemen that are making, you know, two mil, three mil. Um, yeah, you look at Tucker Poolman. I know he's on on the IR right now, but that's an example. You look at we yeah. talked about Tanner Pearson. Uh, obviously, not a, not a defenseman, but just we're talking. But about again, above. bad allocation, right? Right, right. You have yeah, a guy that's not a top six forward on this team, top nine, maybe. Right. And yeah. he's I mean, he's, he has to be used as a top nine because he's getting paid enough that he needs to contribute there. Right. Right. But I mean, I, I haven't really noticed him be a difference maker at any point. Um, and at some point, this offensive 
heater that the Canucks have been on is going to dissipate and it's going to hurt really bad. Like, yeah, Bo Horvat's not going to score 70 goals, right? Mikheyev's not going to score 25, right? Like that's the paces that these guys are on. At some point, it's going to come crashing back to earth a little bit. And what does that look like? Especially, especially if the goaltending kind of doesn't figure it out quickly, um, yeah. you know, like, like the defense isn't getting, getting any better. Like, like, no. you know, I mean, that's, I, I think two things, two things and they're related, but two things that are just criminally irresponsible by the Canucks over the last decade. The first is the Canucks just inability to understand the importance and value of cap space. Like yes. just being able to understand like what having cap space can actually do for you as an organization, right? Having cap space allows you to make hockey trades, right? Yes. Hockey trades where, where you're like, you know what? Like we want to improve, right? We're going to make a pure hockey deal and we can, we can do that because we've managed the salary cap. Well, it allows you to lock up, your most valuable assets long-term. They couldn't get that done with C, C, uh, you know, Pedersen and Hughes. It and allows you to buy them so hard. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. knew as soon as the pen hit the paper that going for a bridge deal on Pedersen is going to bite them in the ass. Right. Like, yeah. And now we see it like Pedersen's going to be like a $10 million player. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's the pain now that they have when they could have locked him up long-term for probably eight, right? Like imagine Pedersen long-term at 8 million. Holy, the things that this team could do. Yeah. Well, well Pedersen, Pedersen locked in. Well, Pedersen under club control, uh, like at that cap hit, but also under club control for the max term, right? Oh, because now, amazing. now, uh, and, and we're definitely going to spend some time talking about this, but, you know, the Canucks can want whatever they want with Elias Pedersen, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, what did we just see in Calgary? We've seen, you know, stars, RFAs, these young, these young players like Matthew Kachuk, they they have the ability to call the shots now, right? So there, there's a template there where and and what did Pedersen say when he was interviewed before he signed his last deal here in Vancouver? Like, like he wants to win. Like he he wants, he, he win. wants to win. He doesn't want to like and 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 that's the position the Canucks find them in, right? Like find themselves in is that like. They're they're doing the literal opposite of that. They're just they're, there's a ton of losing going around here. That's all Pedersen's done for his his entire NHL career outside of you know um, you know six week span in a in a COVID pandemic bubble in Edmonton. That's all he's ever done when he's been where here. they only made the playoffs because it was an expanded playoffs. Like people forget right that the, there was the wild card like the the play in round right, right. like <laughs> that was such an unusual year. Like to that that's the year that we made the playoffs, and then we're like, that's that's the team we're doubling down on is insane, insane to think about. But you're right, like, okay, so here's a question to you When do you th- see this team possibly winning next? Like, when's their window? Yeah, that like that to me, it's after Pedersen's deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I think that. Uh, I think the Canucks have to like trudge through the mess they've made. Like, I think they've made their bed and now they have to lie in it and it's, it's going to be ugly. Um, Look like either way for me, 
whether they finally open their eyes and realize that, okay, we're going to prioritize getting younger. We're going to prioritize, you know, collecting assets and acquiring draft capital. Um, yeah. That and is by younger. Come... It's not 23 to 26 year olds. Exactly. Right. right. It's like right. 21 Prospects. under. Prospects. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, if they go that road, that comes with a lot of losing. If they choose to triple down on this roster and if the word from ownership continues to be you know do more of the same to try and make the playoffs and fix us in a hurry that's going to come with more losing so i think if i'm going to choose like what am i losing for i'd rather lose lose with purpose lose, <laughs> lose with purpose lose for some hope yeah. lose to lose to put a strategy together and a plan together that will actually get you to become a contender at some point right i mean you know going back to that conversation we're having around like the value of cap space like it just does it opens so many doors for you right like you can make those hockey deals you can lock up your guys long term you can add once you're a contender you can actually add pieces at the deadline or in free agency that can put what ottawa did this year right 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 like they they lock in all their guys right Everybody's locked in long-term. Stutzla, Kachak, Shabbat, all those guys, right? Locked in. Then they go and sign Giroux and trade for Debrinkit, right? They're not a perfect team, but they're going in the right direction, right? They're right. investing in the right people. They're investing the right amount of term and the right contracts. And, I mean, those deals are going to look like bargains one day. Like, Stutzla is going to be a bargain. Um, these are good deals. And then once they fix that blue line a little bit, and I mean, Cam Talbot's back, maybe they get some better goaltending to help out. That team's going to be a very good team. Up front, they've got all the pieces. They just need to put the back end together. For the Canucks, there's just holes all over the lineup. Like, except for a net, there's question marks everywhere. And so, you know, you look at a team that needs three top four defensemen that's that's a new that's already a crazy ask we haven't even left the blue line right right, right. three top four defensemen and then you need uh a right-handed center that can play that can help defensively uh you need you have a lot of needs you need better depth overall like i just like you look at it and it's like okay well we shouldn't be, and going back to your your give a shit meter, we shouldn't be looking at guys like Luke Shen and Sheldon Dries and like Dakota Joshua and being like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like they they actually care. <laughs> like, right, right. These guys are like fighting for, I mean, aside from Luke Shen, fighting for their NHL careers, right? That That we shouldn't be able to call up a guy and have him stand out as so much different than 90% of his teammates at the NHL level. That's insane. Like Sheldon Dries was a throwaway from Colorado. Good player. Love Sheldon Dries. But he has no business being as good as he is on this lineup, right? Uh, in comparison, it's good for to Sheldon Dries. It's not, it's not good for the Canucks, <laughs> as they say, right? And exactly. And, and you know, it's I, I, unfortunately the mess the Canucks find them in right now is they've completely botched two of the hardest things to fix 
in the NHL as an organization. Number one, building a top five or top 10 defense in the National Hockey League, which is basically what you need in order to be a contender. Like if you want to contend to win the Stanley Cup, you need a top five or minimum top 10, top third of the NHL defense. Right, and the worst that part is, is they're paying for one. Well, right? exactly. They're like right? they're yeah. in like the yeah. top two or three of uh, of uh, how much money is allocated, allocated. to the blue line. Exactly. Right, like they pay more for their blue line than Tampa does. Like that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we doing here? Yeah, uh, it's it's outrageous. It's outrageous. And so you know, like you can't. It takes just years, years to fix that. Right, like just years to build. A, a defense that fits that mold, right? That is actually like a top three, uh, top five, top 10 defense, right? And how is that done? Like that's done, that's done through the draft. That's done, you know, with, with picks. That's done with managing your assets properly. Just all these things that the Canucks just have, have yet to learn when like the entire like hockey world is kind of screaming at them like, this is how you do these things, and then they just don't do them, right? The other thing that, that the Canucks that we've talked about that they've completely botched is just managing the cap. Like, you can't recover from... Like, Oliver Ekman-Larsen is a great example, right? Right now, this year, I would say he's played at, like, a replacement level or barely above or maybe a replacement level NHL player, right? what is his salary this year? Seven, two, five or seven, whatever the cap hit is seven or eight, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. When you're paying a player that much, he, that, that number on your books needs to, needs to deliver an elite level performance consistently throughout the year. Now, every player is going to have an off game here or there, whatever, but consistently what you need from a seven and a half to $8 million defender is elite level play. That's what you need. It absolutely absolutely cripples you when you get average or below average play like you can't survive like that you can't win like that it completely just torches the rest of your salary structure um and 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 kind of going back to that question you asked me which is like when do you think the canucks are gonna gonna win next these are the reasons why i mean years Right? Yeah, like that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm looking at. Is like yeah. if they start right now today, doing everything right, probably four or five years. Well, let's 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 you maybe yeah, I maybe let's use this as a as a as a comparison here. Um, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard the question asked: how, Who? What do you think is more likely to happen that the Chicago Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup in the next ten years? Or the Vancouver Canucks win the Stanley Cup in the in the next ten years. Well, I, I don't think. No yeah, like I don't yeah. think you can say I, you can't say the Canucks, right? <laughs> it's can. just like it, it's it's wild. So, so I mean, so so there you have it. But look, I, I think like there's reason, not even a hesitation there because no. they've actually committed to a path, right? Like, right. Uh, it is that's so frustrating. Um, I haven't seen that question, but just how clear it is it's very frustrating because we like they've made finals and won cups while we were bad yeah right and now they're going to surpass us in the rebuild just like everybody else has right yeah. like when we started building i i mean i use that term very generously because we haven't built anything um but when we started being bad enough that we should be building a lot of those teams 
<clears throat> even the ones that did long rebuilds, like long, like New Jersey style rebuilds are very good now. Right. Or at least like they're coming up like, uh, man, like at this rate, Arizona is going to be better than us. Well, Arizona is well, going to surpass us. Well, we've been lapped by, by, I mean, Chicago looks poised to lap. I mean, if they get Connor Bedard too, I mean, that changes the whole, Oh the, yeah. The, the speed Columbus of this is there too. Right, right. Right. And LA, I mean, LA has already won, passed won us. a couple cups and, and, and have passed us as well. I mean, you know, Anaheim's so, going to do it. They, yeah, they, I, I mean, they haven't yet, but they're about to. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, w- what we've been talking about today is, is sort of not really focusing on, on game action, because I think that most fans are really just wanting to see the the direction of this team. And I think the one thing you said that really kind of, you know, kind of started this conversation was the Canucks have kind of been at these crossroads over the, the course of the last couple seasons mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of seeing what they've done have, has obviously given you a hint in terms of like, what's the direction that they've chosen. Right. So the JT Miller one was a great example, right? I mean, I think, I, I think there was an overwhelming part of the fan base that was convinced that he was he was done here, right? And yeah. then I think it was a bit caught a lot of people off guard that hey, like that they brought him back and and what did that signal, right? That signaled to to this fan base that hey, it, it's going to be more of the same. Like we're not going to factor in, you know, age in. age cycles. We're not going to factor in like when our window is all that. And and you know what? there's a pretty big crossroads laying in front of them right now. Um, and uh, Horvat. it's, it's Bo, right? So, I mean, look, let's talk about Bo Horvat here for a second, because like you said, 16 goals on the year tied for the league lead on, pre- on pace to break 50 goals. Um, he can get to 50 probably with a slump somewhere in there too. Like he yeah. can probably afford like That's to get a ton of pace. Right? right. Like, it's yeah. Just insane. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's two questions to ask here. And and, and maybe let's start with the, the, the first one. But, like, the first question is, what do the Canucks want to do, Bo? I think the second question is, what does Bo want? Because I keep hearing, we keep talking about what the Canucks may do or may not do, but, like, he has a say in this, right? So what, what do the Canucks want to do with Bo in your eyes? Uh, my indications say they want to re-sign him, which... Uh, first off, how? Um, second of all, uh, like that's again buying in on this on this group. I love Bo Horvat, and it actually really it really hurts to suggest to trade him. But really, they've put themselves in a position where that's really the only path towards you know focusing on three, four years from now, five years from now. What do we got to do to be good then? Well, it doesn't involve having a 34-year-old Bo Horvat making nine million dollars, right? So you gotta you gotta make a decision. And if I'm Bo Horvat and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I've been here my whole career. I've been here 10 years, and I've been in the playoffs twice. Once when I was like brand new in the league, and once in a bubble, and neither one of them we were gangbusters or like actually a legitimate contender. I've seen a lot of really expensive vets come in and out um, of the organization. And I don't see any path forward because we keep hearing the same things over and over and over again. And then when they could have signed me when I was pretty agreeable to it and wanted to stay, 
they signed the other guy uh, when that made no sense. So now here he is putting up a career year. Of course they want to sign him because that's exactly what they just did with JT Miller. Um, but they got, they got to tr- like at some point you got to start, you got to stop digging, right? Like it's the Simpsons, like dig up, dig <laughs> just up. Just dig up, stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, that's, that's what the Canucks have been line. doing for yeah. eight years. And at some point you're, you're like, you're not seeing the light anymore because you're so damn deep in this hole that you've dug. At some point you've got to just stop digging and start finding ways out. And unfortunately I think that involves a bull Horvat trade. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. That's the path that absolutely logically makes the most sense. And you know, but, but is that the path that ownership and, and this management group are, you know, are going to be gung ho about? I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. Right. Like I, I, you know, I, I, I would even go as far to say no, because Francesco lives in opposite land, right? Like every time that we are, we hit these crossroads, like imagine, like if I were, I'm, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but we'll come back. Yeah. If, imagine if we were able to undo two moves, two crossroad moves and do them properly. The way that everybody wanted in the moment, like this isn't hindsight. This is just like foresight. They do the wrong call and you're like instantly, oh my God, right? Like why did they do that? Yeah. The OEL trade and the JT Miller extension. If you're able to undo those, you would have $12 million in cap space that first summer. You would have Dylan Gunther. You would probably have Logan Stankoven on your team. Um, so immediately your prospect depth is amazing and you've got cap space. You're able to then lock in Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to long-term contracts, potentially max contracts, max term contracts. Then you're able to sign Bo Horvat before his contract year, where he becomes exponentially even more expensive than he already was going to be. And you've got a premium asset in JT Miller in a in his contract season that you could flip for assets instead of Bo Horvat. What a world! Like just two transactions <laughs> undone. Yeah. And this team is exponentially in a better spot. You could take a bad contract back because you have cap space to spare. You could have gone out and like, actually, you don't have to worry about how are we going to sign Kuzmenko or are we even going to be able to? You can, you have lots of cap space, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you could do a, a Myers for Zaitsev trade and not have it cripple you. Right. Like, because, who cares, right? Like you could take a bad contract back and it not be bad. You know, it's just, it's frustrating that at this point we look at it and we're like, okay, well, yeah, it's going to be the captain that has faced the brunt of everything. And it has started working with Adam Oates because he cares that much about evolving his game, even at this age, finding new ways to get better and improve. But good thing we're locked into JT Miller that stands upright on the back check. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's frustrating it's, that that's the decision again that we're looking at. But yeah, th- th- this is, this is going to be a pretty massive um, indicator, uh, you know, this decision with Bo Horvat. And I think, you know, I, I think we've known what, what Bo is for, for a couple years now, right? And I think that, Look, I mean, it's no secret he's not a distributor. He's not a, an assist guy. 
Um, he's not a defensive center, right? He's not a defensive center. <laughs> he's not a matchup guy. But look, he scores, right? He's yeah. he's he he puts the puck in the back of the net, and he he's a legitimate bona fide top six center in in the National Hockey League, and those are very difficult to find. Um, you know, he, he's been on a, 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 the Canucks have gotten incredible value off of his last contract. Um, so, you know, I, I think he takes a lot of unnecessary heat. You know, I'm not going to sit here and try and say that, you know, Bull Horvat is the perfect player and he shouldn't be criticized and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I get it. Right. Like I said, I mean, he has his warts, um, you know, to his game, but look, I mean, I think he's a, he's the type of guy that, you know, organizations miss. And I think even off the ice, like he's just been such a low maintenance, no issues. Like he's shoveled shit for this organization for, you know, ever since he came in the league, like, you know what I mean? So it's just he's a great company, man. Like, yeah. Bo Horvath's the guy that you bring in. If you're like a Colorado avalanche that puts you <clears> back <throat> over the top again, you know, like amazing North South guy would bring you incredible secondary scoring. Incredible secondary scoring. Like, the guy leads the league right now. Like, imagine bringing that in as your second-line option. Uh, and, and he had a good playoffs, too. I mean, he had a good playoffs in that, that series in St. Louis. He was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's a very – I mean, he's he's he would instantly in, – and if I don't even know if he's a – you know, he, he's instantly the number one trading chip on the market. Um, yeah. You know, but but like you said, I mean, it all he's remains a player, to be playoff seen. performer that never gets to play in the playoffs. Yeah, like, yeah, what a guy! <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah, sucks, poor, man. Poor guy. Yeah, the guy guy's awesome in the playoffs. We've seen it very very little bit of it, but we've seen it. The guy's amazing in the playoffs. He lo- he thrives in that kind of environment, and he never gets to play it. Like. Man, yeah, uh, it's it's. A, I it's, do hope for him that he gets to go to a good team like a boss in a Colorado and New Jersey, and gets to pop off because honestly, the Canucks deserve that. Like, yeah, the I, I mean, have, I, they I, I think I think you know the Canucks may have. I, I think the Canucks might just be priced out, right? Like that's the thing too, right? Like they may want to re-sign him, um, which they've said they do, um, <clears throat> but you know, at the end of the day, like they're kind of, it sounds like they're playing this game of chicken with his agent because you hear those reports of like, you know, (laughs) Rutherford being in Toronto and not even like reaching out to meet with his agent, Pat Morris, things like that. Like, it sounds like that's the only card the Canucks have left to play, which is basically just um, let's let the trade deadline get closer and closer and closer. And as the months go by, you know, maybe the Canucks card is the family card, right? Which is, you know, hey, do you really want to pull your kid out of school, kids out of school and move them to a place they've never lived before? Hey, do you really want to do that? Do you really want to uproot your family and move to a like I that that's the only card the Canucks have left here because yeah. they don't have much leverage because their cap space is limited. Um they they clearly are they clearly have a number in mind that, you know, up until uh, up up to today, they have not been willing to exceed um, Bo's number has not gone down. It's only gone up since the season started. So, you know, and if I'm Bo Horvat, I, I kind of sit back and I look at it and say, like, you know, everything that I've been through here, like, you know, wh- when you look at Bo, like, he's a guy that cares. He's one guy that cares. Like, you know, that's a guy that, to me, I never I never look at Bo Horvat and, and question, like, hey, like, 
he might have a bad game. I'm not saying Bo Horvat plays great in every game he plays. But in, he works. But he works, right? And 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 you see, like when he scores, he celebrates like he he like he cares, like he gives a shit that he put the puck in the back of the net, yeah. right? And um, you know, and like he, he, we've been able to tell with his playoff performances and things like that, and you know that he wants to win. So you look at a guy like that, and if he doesn't see a path forward to winning here in Vancouver, then. You know, the fact that A, he doesn't want to sign an extension here and B, that he may have priced himself out. It doesn't it, it may not even matter what the Canucks want in this situation, because if if those two things don't don't um, change, I mean, I'm not saying he wants to be here or doesn't want to be here. But if he doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the Canucks throw at him um, because he's you know, the, the decision might be made up um, quickly, quickly before we, we wrap up here, Sean. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the core group, right? Mm-hmm. Like we talked about Elias Patterson and, you know, not, you know, obviously the, the big risk the Canucks took with not being able to go long-term with him, um, you know, but the one guy I really wanted to talk to you about is really interesting for me is Thatcher Demko, um, mainly because, and this is another one of those like crossroad piece here because you know, I mean, obviously, you don't want to trade a guy right now when his value might be lower than than it than it should rightfully be because he hasn't had a great start to the year. But like I said, I think most fans expect him to be back to back to normal. But you know, he's got three more years at five mil per left on his deal here. He's going to be twenty nine or thirty when this deal expires. Um, what do you do with Thatcher Demko? Like, if he's out on the open market as a trade chip. I mean, I have to believe that there's, I mean, on that value steal of a contract that he's on, have to believe that there's going to be some contending teams lining up for him. But dealing him and actually making him available, that completely, to me, signals it's a full-on rebuild, which I don't know if this organization is yeah. ever going to do. So what are your thoughts on the the, the Demko situation? Uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. I think <clears throat> for... For Demko, the best thing to do would be to wait closer to the deadline and create a bidding war for him because you have three years at five mil where you're getting just absolute surplus value uh, out of them. Like, name me one contending team that's not like Tampa or New York Rangers that have better goaltenders that wouldn't be lining up for Thatcher Demko, right? Like, New Jersey would kill for him. Colorado, uh, you've got Edmonton, you've got, you name it, LA, you've got all Vegas, probably, you yeah, know, Vegas, like, yeah, Vegas would come calling. Vegas that, would take yeah. him just to not face him, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you've got all these teams that would be even the ones that are right around the mushy middle, like where Vancouver is. Uh, I mean, better because they actually have a direction. I mean, but the they're Bruins not in that. as well. Bruins, Minnesota, uh, Toronto. uh, Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) Toronto. Yeah, uh, you've got all Ottawa. You've got a lot of these teams that they just they would kill to have Thatcher Demko. So then you just uh, you accept some bad money back because you're going to have to. Like, like let's use Toronto as an example. You say we'll take Matt Murray, uh, but it's a it's a first plus a prospect. uh, You know. It, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a premium ask because you're getting a, elite a, level goaltending for three years on a on a discount 
yeah, like the, the term is so valuable there. And I mean, his track record's immaculate, right? Like to have a goaltender that can actively steal you games, there's not many of those, right? It's basically the two guys that I mentioned, Saros and like Sorokin. Right. Well, right? And, like, and not only can steal you games, not only can, but will, but has like, literally has <laughs> yeah. in, in the playoffs, like literally has, right? Like that's, I, I think about that thing. Vegas, uh, that Vegas series. I know we all do. And I know we're all kind of done talking about bubble Demco and stuff, but like that was about as dominant and like willed forward in the playoffs as you could possibly get from a goaltender. Like, I think with Bo Horvat, you got to look at trading him right now, like as soon as possible. His value is not going to get any higher than it is right at this very moment. Yeah, and in fact, I would I, I would agree with you. I think I think that's at risk of getting lower because I think the second he hits or injured you know, one or, or injured or as soon as he gets like one goal in eleven games or something like that, which I mean, it's been on such a heater that like you just you you kind of just yeah, like you're kind of just waiting for some sort of slump there. You're like, can he actually keep this going for another five games, ten games, twenty games? So I, I agree with you on that. But your your point on Demko about waiting to the deadline. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, when I when I look at, you know, the fact that he's going to be 29 or 30, you know, and we're talking about like that question that you asked me, like, when do we think this team's actually going to be a contender? I mean, I just cannot see them being. Yeah, right. right? And, That's and, the right? reason. Yeah. Otherwise, and, he's part of my my three core, right? Like, right, right. But they're not going to be good enough to make use of Thatcher Demko in that core. Which exactly. is painful to say, but it is true, right? Yeah. Well, this has been uh, this has been a very interesting, um, you know, start to the year, and I think it's put this group, it's put this organization, uh, right in front of some really, really like organizational franchise changing decisions that have to be made, and like you've said before, like you said earlier, like they've gotten a whole bunch of these wrong. Um, I, they just can't make the wrong decision here with Bo. And, um, I, I think the decision with Bo is going to tell us basically everything we need to know about where this organization is going. I don't think that, um, for me, Thatcher Demko is an interesting conversation. However, I think that move, that's like a nuclear option. That's like, yeah, we're full on. Exactly. Exactly. That's like, we're full on rebuilding. Right. Yeah. So I think Bo Bo comes first, whether it's the extension somehow, some way. I don't see how they afford him, but I also didn't see them re-signing JT. So you never know on that, you know. <laughs> Me neither. Um, and like, yeah. So you know, but that's the other thing too. Off of that, like if Bo and let's say Demko get traded, they have to trade Miller this year before that no trade clause kicks in. Absolutely. They got to find a way, right? Like they cannot. They cannot have that no trade clause kick in and him have seven more years here. No, and and I mean they may have to get creative with like get mm. get a premium asset back uh, uh, from dealing bow and take something that you got back from dealing bow and use that to now jettison Miller. So at which least is brutal, which is brutal, like a net zero, which but is brutal. But that might clear a lot be, of cap exactly. But that but that but that's the thing, like. You know, when we talked about earlier, the value of cap space, like there's so many other organizations that just get it. And this one 
has not gotten it. And, you know, when you don't get it, you tend to have to overpay. <laughs> um, and especially when you're trying to <clears> solve <throat> problems. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, especially when you're, yeah, especially when you're trying to solve these problems, right? Like these, th- these are hard, hard problems and hard lessons to learn. But um, when you're up against it, that's just the way it goes. Um, you need well, to build the resolutions from within. You can't go out on July 1st and go find the answer. That's not that's not how good teams do it, right? Like you don't go out. You might you'll find like the odd little piece, like a Curtis Lazar, uh, like a Luke Shen on July 1st. Those are the guys to go get. You don't want to be bidding on the Mikheyevs. You don't want to be bidding on the Tanner Pearsons, the Tyler Myers, the, you know, you don't want to be bidding for those guys on July 1st because everybody's looking for that mid tier and they get massively, like vastly overpaid. Right. So it's, that's, that's what the Canucks have done to themselves time and time again. It's going to be interesting to see like how they pick a, a path. The frustrating thing for me, and I know you want to wrap up soon, so I won't go too long, is that like this team goes about and says the right things and then does the wrong ones, right? Like they want to accumulate draft picks, weaponize cap space, and build a culture from within. They're a couple years away. They're not going to be buying in on what they're seeing here. Um, But then... They, what do they do? They buy into what they're seeing here, trade draft picks, and and they're maxed out cap wise. So, like, I just I don't see the they're talking the talk but not walking the walk. And at some point, those need to match. And like, it's going to come at the point where we lose Bruce Boudreaux and we lose Bo Horvat. And the ironic part of it all is we're going to look for a Travis Green type of coach. Right. Like that's we're going to go right back to the guy that was the problem just a year ago. Right. Quote unquote, the problem. And it just goes again to show that Travis Green wasn't fault. Bruce Boudreaux, not to fault. It's not the coach. If like if you pile enough shit on a plate and ask the guy to continue to make sandwiches. Yeah. And you're going to get a bunch of shit sandwiches (laughs) and (laughs) and you can't be surprised by that. Right. Like he. You can't be stunned that it's not you're not at Quiznos, right? Like, right. Um, it's just it's frustrating. Like they're going to end up losing a really, really great coach and picking up like a Rick Tockett, and and the it's going to be they plays with structure. Yeah, you know who else did? Travis Greed. You know how well that worked? It didn't. Uh, right. <laughs> because now we've tried both ends of the spectrum, and nothing's changed because the roster construction itself hasn't changed like i just yeah it's well, like uh it's it, just a merry-go-round of time nightmares time <laughs> time just like being a canucks fan is a flat circle and uh it it's been a it's been a pain uh it's been a painful experience over the course of the last little while here but sean man it has been absolutely amazing having you on uh we could probably go for another hour it's just so nice talking hockey oh, with sure. you man and um We'll definitely have you back. Have you gone? Uh, have you back uh, on again here? Once uh, maybe once Mike is back as well. Maybe the three of us yeah. can chat. But thank you very much, Sean Warren, from you know the founder of the Area Fifty One Sports Network. Um, thank you everybody for listening. 
it's been great here and uh, we'll catch everybody on the next episode of Canucks Mafia.